Welcome to Keeping It Real with Frankie D, the very first Italian-American podcast and the home of your Italian-American moment. I'm your very proud host, Frankie D, and we can be heard at ItalianAmericanLife.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcast app. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and connect with us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Today, my guest is attorney and author and Italian-American, Vincent Maselli. Vincent, welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I know you're very busy with court and, and whatnot and habeas corpus and all those kind of things. So <laughs> that's never a dull moment. That's right. I appreciate it. So uh, just to start us off, give us a little bit of your Italian family background. Sure. I was born and raised uh, 1969 in Addison, Illinois. I grew up there in a mostly Italian populated area. Went to all the schools, Stone School, Indian Trail, Addison Trail. And again, at that time, the majority um, were all Italian. Grew up in the uh, typical Italian house where we would eat homemade Italian meals, I would say six out of seven nights a week. And if we ever ordered out anything, it would be something like Chinese food to break up the, uh, the monotony. But the, the Italian food was pretty much all we ever ate growing up. Uh, also, just like probably everybody else with the furniture and the plastic, the lady holding the grapes on the oil lamp, we had all those. So Sounds like house, a great childhood. <laughs> the house reeked of uh, Italian heritage every which way. Oh, that's a good thing to, uh, to smell of, believe me. Uh, right. Where's the family from in Italy? Uh, well, my, my, parent, my, my dad's parents are from Borgio, B-U-R-G-I-O, which is a small town in Sicily. It's about an hour south of Corleone, to give you an idea where it's at. Uh, my wife, who's 100% Italian, and her parents, of course, 100% Italian, they are from Alta Villa, Sicily, and Michael Maggiore, Sicily. And you have been to Italy? Yes. We were to Sicily um, years ago, actually been to Italy twice, and we were probably planning on going next summer uh, with the kids. And that's excellent. Excellent. You like it there? Oh, traveling they, want to come, they want to come home. It was uh, really fun. Beautiful, beautiful. And you mentioned uh, you had a, uh, um, I believe, a grandfather that had uh, some type of food store in Chicago? Yes, my dad's mother and father had an Italian grocery store called Maselli's Grocery. Um, it was 1942. It was over on Erie Street, which I think is right behind the, the Mitchell School in that area, over by Erie in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so near, uh, so near Grand and Western-ish like in that area, Grand and Acton. Yes, I believe so. Oh, beautiful. That was a great area. So Not, it was, they had uh, two stores, I believe, but that was the, the main one or the first one. Were you ever, this was before your time, I assume? Before my, before my time. And unfortunately, his parents passed when he was uh, very young, both of them. So I never had a chance to actually ever see the store. Just, it was, it was nice and cool to see the, the black and white photos with the name up on there. So it was interesting. Very nice. Okay. And then, uh, okay, so you are an attorney by yes. trade. Yes. And you have become a very successful author. Yes. Uh, thank you for that nice compliment. But it, it, it didn't really happen on purpose. But the, the Tell me how you became this author. Well, um, I have two girls. They are now 16 and 13. 
Matea and Luciana, also very Italian names. And my wife is Angela, so again, all Italian. And when they were little, I used to read, like every other parent, the typical, you know, Cat in the Hat, The Hungry Caterpillar, The Nursery Rhymes, uh, every night. Unfortunately, my older daughter, um, at the time was about two or three years old, she would memorize every single word to every single book we started reading over and over, and it became a little monotonous. So one night to try to break up the insanity of it all, I top of my head, made up a story out of nowhere. It was about uh, a magical bear named Zuko and his fur would shimmer and change colors according to his moods. And she, her eyes just, you know, blew up like saucers. She was- so If I can interrupt, so did you write this all down? Like- No, 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 just, it was just a spur of the moment. Okay. Spur of the moment, don't even know where it came from, just made it up. And I saw how truly excited she was, the innocence of it all, how how it was something like new and fascinating for her, and she was listening to every word. So it was great. So I kissed her goodnight, and then the next night I went to grab another book, you know, another cat in a hat book. And she stopped me and said, you know, no, Dada, tell me what happened with Zuko. And when she said that, I, I got almost like little goosebumps how excited she was. So I just made up another innovative story, and I always try to keep it very original, something that they never heard before in a cat in a hat book something they never saw before in a Disney movie. So I just tried to make up something totally different to keep her captivated. And you know what? That that in itself, if you didn't write a book eventually, that's a beautiful memory and that's something. And that, that's exactly it. Yeah, that, that's a tremendous thing to have experienced with your daughter. Uh, and just to see the innocence in their eyes, you know, when they're that young. And again, you know, she was three, four years old. And my other one at that time was... Oh, little young be understanding what's going on. She was about a year old, but as the years went on, I would always make up these stories. And then if you fast forward 10 years down the road, they kept By saying- By the way, kudos to you as a father because oh, you could pat you. yourself on the back. <laughs> that was excellent. I mean, thank you. You, you, uh, you did all you could be as a dad. So I thank took you. my hat to you. And I just kept telling these stories, making these stories up. And then years later, they would joke around, be like, no, dad, you should put all those stories together in a book. And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I had the full-time job as a lawyer. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then as the years went on and some of the hobbies started to dwindle, you know, no longer would go golfing, no longer would go fishing, no longer would, you know, jog outside. I started sitting down for 15 minutes here or there at nighttime just to type up some of these stories. Now, was it the one original character that just kept going with it? Yes. Did you come up with others? Like well, I came up with other characters. Other characters, but it was all based off of that one night. Yes, yes. The, the magical beer named Zuko, he was one of the main characters, and I included my daughters as characters, too, to pique their interest. So, you know, when she was four years old and she hears a story about a magical bear, which includes her in the story, like I said, her eyes would just light up. Wow, that is just, that really is awesome. I gotta be honest. So, so you start writing down like 15 minutes here and there. What, were you writing it with the hopes of it becoming a book? Um, or just not to forget it or? No, truth, truth be told, I was writing it, and I don't wanna sound corny, but from the heart. And I wanted to put this together so I could just hopefully someday publish a book to have on my bookshelf and look at it and say, I wrote that, that was 
you know, a reminder of all those years and all those stories that I told my daughters when they were little is basically it. I didn't write it to try to become rich or famous or an accomplished author. That had nothing to do with it. And that's probably a great attitude to have in that field, in that world, because let's be honest, there's, you know, a gazillion books and, you know, you, you just said, you know, you just wanted to accomplish it, but. Right. I didn't, I didn't research how to write a book and then write the book. I guess I wrote the book and then tried to figure out how to write a, a publish a book. So I did it maybe a little backwards, but boy, was it a nightmare at that point. Well, how long did this, how long was the process of writing it where, okay, I'm done. I wrote this book. Well, it took me about five years from start to finish. The actual five years in the sense of literally was like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, or you like rented a log cabin and said, I'll be back in a month. (laughs) No, no, I wish I could. I've never, I wrote 15 minutes here and there. Um, I would do a lot of it. If we went on vacation, I'd wake up early, 6 a.m., have a cup of coffee in the backyard by myself and write for about an hour or two. But I never had, you know, a full week or a month or a year just to sit down and write it nonstop eight hours a day. So it, it, there's two books, actually. So this is book one. Book two actually is done, but it's not published yet. But it took me about a year to write book one and book two. So a year writing, and then it took me about three years to edit it and revise it and redraft it. And unfortunately, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, it took me about three years of doing that. I, I must have went back about 25 times to uh, write things over, but then you drive yourself crazy towards the end. Now, would you yourself personally edit it or was someone? No, it was me. It was me. Gee. Nobody knew about this. So I wanted to be a complete surprise to everybody. My wife knew about it and my kids knew I was typing and working on, I'll do my quotations, a story, but they never really truly probably thought the finish line would show up eventually and, and publish it. So they didn't even know. So I didn't want to tell anybody until I had the book in my hands to show everyone. I respect that. Thank you. And And now you had mentioned getting it published. So give me a quickie uh, explanation of your uh, experience. I thought the writing was the tough part. That was the easy part. I thought the editing was the nightmare. That wasn't bad. The nightmare was trying to get it published. Uh, At that point, my oldest daughter, I think was maybe 13, 14 at the time, uh, looked online and said, Dad, you need a book agent. I go, a book agent? Why, why do I need a book agent? I just want to go get a publisher. She goes, no, no, no. You don't go to a publisher. They, you need to go to a book agent, and the book agent takes it to the publisher. And then she was the one that educated me and said, you need a query letter. I'm like, what's a query letter? So she did the research, showed me how to do this. So then I prepared a query letter. That took a month. And I started sending out to all these book agents and that took about a year and a half. So the book was done. The book was edited in my part. I then tried to find a book agent for a year and a half. So you were getting rejection letters? Yes. I sent out 140 query letters and 70 came back with a no and the other 70 never responded. And okay. Was there a moment where you said, I guess this ain't going to be a book, or did you always say to hell with them by hook or by hook? Again, I didn't do it to become rich or famous. So in a way, I was never truly determined. Sure, it's a little discouraging. I mean, you go on 140 interviews, 
and you get no every time, or you try to get out of that burning building and every door, all 140 doors are locked. I mean, at, at that point, you're like, okay, this is not good. But again, I was just trying to do it for my own personal self and for a cute gift for my kids. So then at that point, I started researching how to publish it yourself. And then that's what I did. I hooked up with the company. Um, I sent it over to them. And then within just a couple months, it was actually published. So as much as I was frustrated, I wasted a year and a half of trying to look for book agents. I guess at that point, it was a you know, life lesson. I and applaud your uh, your persistence. Uh, right, right. A little bit of, you know, stick to your guns. You have to be determined. If you really truly believe in something or want to accomplish something, you can't listen to the, I don't want to say the so-called experts, but you can't listen to people telling you no, no, no. The naysayers. Yes. Correct. And, and, you know, to this day, truth be told, I mean, I don't know why they all said no. I don't know if it was not the right demographics or the right topic or I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. And it, it doesn't even matter because, no, because you're putting again, them wrong. So, well, then that's where the vindication came in. I was truly happy it's because, again, I wrote it. I was happy. It was for my kids. But once it was published, someone suggested, you know, why don't you try to send it out to a, a few book critics to see if they like it? And then I said, okay, never thought of that. So I started sending it out to a few book critics. And then that's when I was really happy because they all came back. Five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. That's excellent. Well, you know what we didn't even do? I didn't even say the name of the book, uh, which it is called The Last Triceracorn. Yes. That is correct. A different name. Yes. Uh, Last the Triceracorn. And this book is kind of geared towards what ages? I would say eight and up. Um, I know my daughter was reading, or daughters were reading, you know, the Harry Potter at about eight nine but it's a very clean book there's no swearing no cussing no grotesque acts of violence no racism racism no you know basically it's meant for young minds okay and you are you're having success you're selling them you're doing book signings tell me about that sure um when i first published it within the first week it sold out twice so people were calling me up and texting me and saying, I'm trying to buy your book. I can't. It do, it's not available. Well, I, I was so fortunate to have a lot of family and friends buy the book that it sold out. Then through Facebook, which I just started using about a month ago, a lot of people started buying it that way. And I was very excited through all the Facebook friends to receive a lot of support. And they bought a lot of the book and then that's when someone suggested why don't you do a book signing so i just did my first book signing last friday a week ago and i sold three times more than i expected wow well that's great uh, that, that's that's just awesome i uh, uh I'm, I'm very happy for you and i know you mentioned to me there's some in the book there's uh, i don't even remember exactly but some kind of italian connection to the oh, book, yes. the characters, tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so again, the main characters are my daughters, Luciana and Matea. And you use their actual names? Yes. Okay. Yes. And a lot of the characters have some sort of either Italian name or I uh, use an Italian word to describe who they are. 
Um, also, there's another character, one of the main characters, he's from Italy himself. His name is uh, Vinzario. I made up that name. And it's to describe the book is almost uh, the movie from the 80s, the, the Goonies. It's a bunch of kids that band together that need to save the world. And it's a scavenger hunt across the globe to try to find the Triceracorn. And they go from place to place to place. And one of the places, one of the main settings is in Sicily. Well, that's great. So there's a major Italian influence with this yes. book. And it's something we can be proud of. It's not, uh, <laughs> you know what. Yes, almost. So, yeah, not, not derogatory. There's nothing improper. Um, there are there are some little, not, not like inside jokes, but inside references that people won't probably realize. For example, there's an older couple that's in the book from Sicily. That's my uh, my grandparents on my father's side. Um, again, the ones that own the store. Um, I put their names in there. And unfortunately, I, I never met them in life. So I wanted to do that for my dad a little bit. Oh, I put that in there. That's great. That This is all just, just great stuff. Is the second book... A continuation of the yes. Well, it's funny when I started writing the book, and I relied on my my oldest daughter a lot because she was the bookworm. She's the one who read all the Harry Potters and all of the latest stories and all the other exciting books when she was little. And I believe when I was writing this first book, I stopped somewhere around I want to say a hundred pages, and she goes, "Dad, that's too short of a book." It's not long enough. You have to make it longer than that. So I said, okay. So then it took off from there and I just kept going and going. And then when I finished, I go to Matea, I'm all done. She goes, how many pages is it? I go, it's 600 pages. She goes, Dan, it's too long. <laughs> so at that point I said, oh, I have a great idea. Let's break it in half. We'll make it book one, book two. Oh, so okay. I thought I, you went back and like eliminated pages. No, 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 no. <laughs> so the one that's published now, the last Triceracorn book one, is half of my true 600-page book. So book two is already written, but it's not published yet because I, I was again told, you know, you, you need to get a, you can have the greatest book in the world, but if people aren't buying it or people don't know about it, it's not doing you much good. So right. that's why so now I, it should be much easier, obviously, going out and trying to. Well, I, I, yeah, I hope so. Yes. And now I'm to a point where now, you know, I, I'm trying to take it to the next level where I'm starting to reach out to schools and grade schools uh, to see if they'd be willing to either have like an author day or meet, um, yeah, meet the author day or a book signing day. I remember when my girls were a little bit younger and they told me that there was a uh, author that came in and met with them and signed their books. I mean, that was like the talk of the house for a month. That was like the greatest thing. Now, again, I mean, they're eight, nine, 10 years old, so have to keep in perspective. So that's what I'm trying to do is just, you know, make these kids smile. And I love the fact that a lot of the people that have ordered my book are actually sending me pictures of their small kids holding up the book with a big smile. And I came up with an idea that, you know, I'm tweaking my, my website. I'm going to put up a header saying excited fans, and I'm going to include all their, their photos. Oh, that's excellent. I love that. Themselves. Yes, that's like a like a child's testimonial. Right. A little yes. a little shout out to the kids. Oh, that's beautiful. Great idea. Great idea. Again, it's, it. it's it's all for them. Uh, I just want to, you know, give them some innocence, some happiness. I'm not a huge 
fan of cell phones for you know the kids. So to get someone off a cell phone to read a book, I know is challenging. Well, I, I agree with you. Uh, reading is a tremendous tool for life. And the reason is it gives you knowledge. It gives you, uh, it gives. Uh, I, I personally, I love to read and, and it is a, it's a tough sell for, for younger people. It really is. And you are 100% right. If you can get them off of a cell phone and reading a book, you've done a great job. Right. You have to convince them and the parents, of course, to buy it. Because that's true as well. That, that's the hard part. Is book number three uh, in the thoughts or you're done? Well, book one and two, uh, that's this story, say, with the Triceracorn. And if this thing truly, you know, say, would take off, um, I would continue writing more. It wouldn't be about the Triceracorn per se. It would be a different story, but I would include my daughters again as the main characters. And then maybe even like the, the Zuko character, they would be the main three. And I had, you know, I write down some thoughts here and there, or I'll put on my notes on my cell phone, just certain ideas. Well, you seem like you love this. Oh, I do. And this is something that probably, I guess, 15 years ago, didn't even, wasn't even in your thoughts at all. No, not at all. And well, that's my kids didn't keep telling me for years. I think it was like you said, about 10 years. Yeah, you should write those stories and put them in the book. I never would have done it. Right, right. No, that's wonderful. Uh, give us information now. How do we, how do we uh, find the book, uh, your website, everything? Sure. The website is pretty easy. It's VMM, as in Vincent Michael Maselli. So VMMbooks, B-O-O-K-S, dot com. That is my website. You can order the book directly from there. You could also order and request me to inscribe it or sign it and mail it out. And then usually I'll ask, you know, to whom would you like me to make it out to? Anything special you'd like me to say? Um, and then I include, you know, certain phrases in there, some little teasers about the book, uh, telling them to be careful of this, be care careful of that. Again, just trying to make the kids excited. Um, you can also order it. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books A Million. So it, it's out there. Is that all on websites or is it actually in a Target, in a Barnes & Noble? No, it's, it's, it's not actually in the stores. They're all online. Oh, it's all online. Okay. Barnes & Noble might be carrying it in store for like an author day or come in and sign. So that's one of the things that I'm um, trying to set up. I just yesterday booked my next three book signings. So I have one this Sunday for the Bloomingdale uh, Makers Mart. Market. I have another one coming up in Bloomingdale for the September Fest. And then there's another one um, that's September 10th. Then September 11th is in Addison. It's at Sweet and Brew, which is a coffee shop. Well, that's great. You are, uh, you're going to be a very busy man with all this. So it's fun. That's excellent. Well, Vince, I, I have to say you're, uh, you're a very positive good-hearted Italian-American man. And uh, uh, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. And, and I, I really, um, uh, it's great what you're doing. I love this book. I love the, the, the whole idea of it. It, it. it just seems like something that brings goodness, happiness, uh, inspiring. It's wonderful. And thank you. Thank and you that's, that's what I wanted podcast. to do. Yes. That's what I wanted to do because, as I told some people, I still remember when I was in third grade, and my teacher back then suggested a book to me, and it was The Hobbit. And I read that, and I was in a different world. 
So that's truly how I was sparked way back when. And I wanted to try to provide that and give that to someone perhaps in the third grade to be so excited that you can't wait to pick the book up again to read it. Well, that's wonderful. And let me tell you this, our world needs more people like you. Thank you. Be a better place. Well, thank you. Thank you for being such a, a, a great positive Italian American. And, and thank you so much for the interview. And I highly advise everyone out there to pick up a copy of this great book. And I will tell everybody this was my very first podcast. And this was so fun. It was like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with you. This was a, a really nice time. Well, thank you, Vince. And that's, uh, I'm glad it was your first. You always remember your first, right? That's right. <laughs> well, thank you again. It was uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. All right, thank you. Okay, thanks. All right, ciao. Ciao.